the banks typically will only start lending a construction mortgage for these developments at 60% sold. So they need to run in this case, like you're saying, Greg, market softening um, or more options out there. They're not clearly moving enough units. They drop the price because they need to get that project going because they've already torn down the building where they're going to build. They're already like, they have no revenue coming in. They've been holding it for so long. They probably planned to break ground a year and a half ago when the market was busier, um, not foreseeing where we'd be now. And now they have to, they have to get, get things moving. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello, everybody. Hello, Canada. Hello, Ottawa. Hello, world. Hello, son. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> We're back. Hello. The Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. My name is Paul Stevenson. Hasn't changed. I'm here with uh, David Warren. I'm here with Greg Campbell. <laughs> And uh, I'm one of the owners at Referral Mortgages, also a mortgage agent. And uh, David Warren is also an owner at Referral Mortgages, as seen by the massive logo behind him. And uh, Greg Campbell joins us here. He is a realtor and managing director at the agency in Ottawa. The agency. I am. Gentlemen, welcome back. This is who I am. We're here. Thank you. Twofer. What's shaking you for having us humans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for hosting on, on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, lots, lots to cover. Uh, we, you know, it feels like we were just here doing this and uh, we're back again. We were bombarded with uh, headlines this week with uh, changes, with questions. So I say we just jump right into it. What do you think? Go. Oh, great. Um, Number one, so we saw that uh, Canada looks like it's going to get a facelift. I don't know anyone uh, listening who's from Canada. Canada's getting a facelift. So uh, obviously we all know Canada as kind of the tech, you know, hub for Ottawa. Um, Canada. For Canada. There you go. Silicon Valley of the North. <laughs> Silicon Valley of the North. So Nokia, uh, tech infrastructure giant Nokia, um, they employ about 2,300 people here in Ottawa. And they're actually looking for uh, city permission to build a, a major campus on March Road, um, which is, you know, anyone who's been on March Road is already a lot of, uh, a lot of, yeah, obviously it's a Silicon Valley. So um, they're proposing a 500 square foot office and uh, laboratory, laboratory uh, complex, uh, which will include a base of retail and commercial stores topped by two office towers, 1,344 parking spaces, lots of room there. Um, and they actually want to replace the existing Nokia building there with 11 residential towers ranging in height from 13 to 29 stories. So big change. I think it's about, I think it's about 1900. So it's a mix of commercial and residential though. So they're mm-hmm. going to be, it's going to add 1900 residential units, uh, to that property as well as the, uh, the 500,000 square feet of, uh, of commercial space, but it's over 26 acres. And then I guess they're doing a big the intention there is to do a big hiring, uh, continued hiring blitz as well as as they keep rolling with the five G, five G technology that they obviously develop and um, and bring more, bring more uh, tech employment to uh, to the Ottawa area, which is fantastic. But and, uh, and will those and will those residential towers be for some of the new employees 
and staff. Mm. I, I assume the intention is for some of those to, you know, to buy, live and work in, you know, that 15 minute community that they always, you know, that uh, our city councils keep always talking about in the official plan. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure they'll probably rubber stamp that pretty quickly. Uh, and then just add additional housing. I mean, we keep talking about it of uh, Canada be prices kind of continue to escalate there because of such a tr strong tech sector and, and, you know, a, a lack of, of housing out there. So I think it's a, I think it's a good plan. It's using that 26 acres. There's a lot of uh, dead space in there, repurposing it, um, you know, bringing more employment as well and, and well-paying employment. Uh, yeah. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the renderings for those of you that are listening, certainly go to uh, the YouTube channel and then check out the renderings on the, uh, on the article that we'll be posting there. Uh, it gives you a visual of what they're looking at. Do you have, do you have, do you want to pull it up? Steve, if you have the article, maybe just, uh, wow. Boom, boom. There it is. Asking you to see. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. And then here's the main point, David. So, the content that I got to keep having, like, they have restaurants and, and, and cafes mm -hmm. and apartments and stuff that would be a real, you know, uh, shift for Ottawa. And I think we're going to see more and more of that, right? These, these yeah. communities, like, kind of like, like, it's Phil or Haven having these really dense populated kind of areas and, and almost uh, a land right? Right? where people can go, hang out, have lunch, um, mm -hmm. and it'll be yeah. a destination. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the uh, you kind of touched on it as well, and it, it kind of perfect transition to the uh, another one. So, you know, speaking of Barhaven, um, you know, we're obviously the start of the summer season, start of uh, construction season here in Ottawa. <laughs> yes. uh, Ottawa's earmarks uh, $700 million in construction, road infrastructure, and sewer updating within Ottawa. One, one aspect of this that I thought was uh, great for, uh, which pertains to Barhaven, is that they're widening Strandherd. So they're doing a huge infrastructure uh, lane increase along Strandherd. And those of you that live in Barhaven or pass through there uh, know how... Celebrating? How, yeah, that it's kind of one lane each way, and it's, uh, it's really much, very much... Uh, um, congested. So they've, they have a, a statistic that they're expecting population growth in Barhaven uh, to be 37%, to grow by 37% by 2031. So over the next seven years, compared to the rest of Ottawa, which is a growth of 19%. Wow. Um, so hint, 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 buy yeah. in Barhaven. <laughs> Barhaven. Yeah. I, I remember Barhaven was, when I bought my first, I've said it before, I bought my first townhome there um in 2014 i believe and there was no there were there was hardly any none of those farm fields down fallow field and like that that was all off the highway none of that tomlinson development and and at campus none of those houses existed in behind the loblaws um it's crazy just in the last eight years how much it's uh how much it's exploded i always find it wild i went out to my brother's place he lives in barhaven uh, i went out there last weekend and i I just drive around going out there. I just kind of do some loops to kind of check out the, uh, how quickly they're building the, in the expanse. But I thought the, the growth, the population growth, 37% is great. And the fact that they're widening the high, widening the roads to, to make kind of that was pass through areas a lot, uh, less congested is, is huge. I don't know if you, uh, do you see, I mean, you obviously deal mostly a lot in the, uh, in the East end, uh, Greg, but, do you hear of, you know, when you're talking to people at Bar even of the uh, kind of, does it come up quite often in your conversations with clients or? Barhaven, uh, you know, it's just, Barhaven is, it's the same in every part of the city. I think everybody just 
you know, wants to be in a certain place for whatever reason. And that's the topic mm -hmm. at the time, but I've been out there recently. We've got, uh, I've got a listing coming up in Barhaven actually. And, um, it's, uh, I mean, it, people seem to think, I will say that when I talk to people from Barhaven, they tend to think that it's the hottest place in the city for real estate, all of mm -hmm. them that I've spoken with personally. Anyways, they all, they are all like, they all expect like exorbitant amounts of money for their property. Um, and that's just in my experience in the last six months, everyone I talk to from Barhaven thinks that it's the hot spot in the city more so than Canada or anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll do a deep dive on Barhaven next week, guys. <laughs> How about you that? Know, but I think, I think absolutely. the people might like it. I think so. I think the, you know, in, in this uh, article of what the city's expecting as well. Um, you know, we keep talking about, you know, we obviously talk about prices and where they're going and, uh, and supply and demand and all that. I mean, even in this article alone, and it's, it's kind of glossed over, but they're also expecting by 2031, which, you know, sounds like it's really far off, but really it's, it isn't, um, that Ottawa itself will grow by 19%. Um, so that's a, you know, that's pretty, that's a pretty big growth rate, um, mm -hmm. that they're, that they're expecting on. And that's probably on the conservative side, I would think. Um, uh, but being just over a million, you know, that's adding 200,000 people to, to Ottawa over the next, uh, eight years. Where do you think, where, where are those people going to live? Yeah. You know, where, you know, where that, obviously that demand is going to drive up prices. Um, so I think there'll be, you know, my, as my question my question now, though, is if this is supposed to happen by 2031, what happens when Agenda 2030 happens, when we will own nothing and be happy? <laughs> <laughs> is that going to happen and then none of this will matter? Toe rep doesn't matter anymore? Damn. Just a bunch of coach houses lining the street? Just had to throw that in there just because of the date, the timing. It's interesting. The three of us growing up in the East End, too, it's, <clears throat> it's funny to see all these neighborhoods just exploding because, you know, Barhaven was definitely no, oh, I don't yeah. even, like just non-existent. Uh, Stittsville used to be where we'd go on Sundays for the flea markets. And it seemed like it was in Toronto. Like it seemed so far away. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So now they're being the hottest neighborhood and they feel like they're around the corner now, right? Ottawa seems like mm -hmm. such a small, a small city, but uh, yeah, as you age, I guess things, uh, things become a little, your perspective yeah. shifts as you get older. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like Barhaven. I think it's got like a lot of, great features you know i'm not living Someone there needs to own I, a restaurant called like the bar it. the bar haven you know the bar haven yeah. yeah i love the, i love pronouncing it like that. the bar haven <laughs> anyways um <sighs> okay helocs dave i know we got a lot we got a lot to pump through so i want to uh you were uh showing us before uh some changes potentially coming for uh for helocs yeah, the uh, home equity lines of credit for uh, for listeners who, who for jargony. Yeah, so um, a lot of people don't realize that when they have a secured line of credit, a, a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, a Flex TD Flex line, uh, BMO Ready line, like everyone, all Many these life one. different. Yeah, everyone has these different, uh, you know, kind of uh, names for them. They're, they're secured lines of credit. There's, they're, they are a mortgage. People, a lot of people think or say they, you know, whenever I speak to them, Paul, I'm sure you get this all the time. No, I don't have any mortgage. Like, and then you pull the credit. Well, what's this uh, $300,000 secured line of credit? Oh, well, that's just a secured line of credit. Secured as the house. Well, that's a mortgage. Um, so what has kind of come up 
that Offsi is looking at, um, who oversees the banking and mortgage industry, uh, and making some changes to HELOCs and really uh, tightening down on them. Uh, they don't like how much it's being marketed. They don't like how many people have it. Uh, mm-hmm. Secured lines of credit or HELOCs, they are revolving in the sense that uh, you know they're you can pay them. Uh, the limit is opened up again as you pay down the mortgage. It opens up, it increases your limit. So as you pay your monthly payment, um, that limit continues to increase. So it gives you automatic in- access to equity. And so they don't, they really don't like that because it, it leaves a lot of debt or potential debt out there for consumers. Um, there's a lot of arguments to be said, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, this can be used for artificially propping up the economy. Um, this can be used for increasing, um, you know, purchases in the home market because people are leveraging equity to purchase other property or taking on property in, in, in other countries where maybe that debt load becomes too high. Um, you know, rightly or wrongly, uh, they, they really want to clamp down on it. They're saying that they are likely next year. And it's basically their, the superintendent, uh, basically said they're going to make significant changes and, and really what they're looking at is tightening up, uh, number one, how you qualify, uh, you know, that, uh, likely clamping down that it's not, it doesn't just increase with as you pay down the mortgage, it doesn't automatically increase. And if you want an increase to it, you need to re-qualify uh, and, and probably limiting how much you can get access to at a time, things like that. And, and then on the other side, with mortgages, with secured lines of credit, there are um, amounts of capital that a bank needs to keep in their reserves when lending. Uh, so it's a percentage, you know, for every dollar that they lend out, they need to have X dollars in reserves um, at that institution with a HELOC, they're looking at increasing that. So what does that mean? It, it means that it costs more for the bank, um, to hold those funds, which obviously they'll just pass on to consumers and, and which will drive up the interest rates on these as well. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, implications with it, but it's something that, uh, that they are looking at. So those of you that have them are thinking about getting them, you know, something to consider, uh, or, you know, maybe get before they, uh, before they shut them down, um, next year, but yeah, something to keep on the radar, but, but banks use it, you know, really sell them uh, on, you know, most mortgages. And these are only available for mortgages that are unconventional, meaning that they are more than 20% down. And, uh, but banks use them as a marketing tool because they know that the more product you have with a specific bank, the less mm-hmm. like you likely you are to move to another bank. Um, and with a mortgage with, when you have a HELOC, the type of registration on the mortgage, you can't just easily transfer your mortgage to another bank. Um, it's right. collaterally charged. It's a different product. You have to refinance it, meaning that you're incurring an appraisal cost, you're incurring legal fees. So they know that these added fees are going to um, hold somebody back from moving. So it's not, they're not always offering it to you, whether you, you know, if you don't need it, it's not always wise to get it um, or take it. It is, they are really just looking to saddle you with that bank or, or hold you to them and make it more difficult to shop around when your term is up or, or look at other mm-hmm. banks um, when rates change or, or lower, things like that. Yeah, I yeah. think it, I mean, uh, you made a lot of very valid points there. And I think that is a lot of, a lot of things that people don't consider. Like you said, if you have, you know, an $800,000 HELOC that's at zero, now all of a sudden you decide you're going to run that up and buy, uh, you know, four properties. 
certainly changes the uh, the optics of the of the industry as a whole. Or if you take that money and just like you said, they're just you know, they could, there could be trillions of well, maybe not trillions, but let's say billions of dollars that are just sitting there waiting to be taken from HELOCs. And then if everyone decides overnight to take them, well, that that completely shifts everything. And like I said, it could uh, kind of inflate or, or make the market look um, more active than it actually is. Well, so, so to that point, so right now, um, they're saying that there are 730, that it, there's 737 billion uh, of readvanceable mortgages in Canada. So meaning oh, it's the, a trillion. Secured lines of credit. Was... Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so three quarters of a trillion out there that people have access to this capital. Now the other argument is, um, you know, they do sell it based on, um, you know, if you go through hard times, you have access to this. So there is that argument that it's actually, um, preventing a lot of defaulted mortgages as well, because if somebody mm -hmm. loses their job, somebody gets in a cash crunch, um, that these products are interest only, and they can use that, they can use the equity to make the regular mortgage payment or to make their bill payments um, and, not be, and not be taking it on to credit cards at 19 and 29% or on unsecured lines of credit that now are in the nine to 12 and, and higher percent. So it, the, you know, there is that other argument of it that they can be used in a manner that, yeah, if somebody, if they, they could be artificially propping up somebody's financial picture, but that's better than them going to the mm -hmm. un, really the unregulated credit card and, and unsecured market that, that nobody kind of, that they don't really talk about much or care about. Oh, the, the capital-based visas, visa companies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we have, cl I have clients that are putting 5% down sometimes that are like, can we get a heat? Can we get a line of credit too on the, on the, uh, on the mortgage? So uh, Dave, you mentioned that point that like, you, you know, on these lines of credit, you know, you can't go above that, that 80% and actually only 65% mm -hmm. of the total mortgages on the property can, can be a HELOC. So it's not like if you're putting 10% down, you can then get a HELOC that, that starts from that point on your, you know, your 11, your, that 11% equity doesn't give you access to your HELOC. You have to have more than at least 20% equity in the property to even qualify to have that product. So there is a bit of a buffer built in there to avoid that default where people are boring, you know, 120% of their value because they have that line of credit there. Um, but yeah, so that's a very interesting uh, shift that we'll see. There's going to be a lot of changes. We're going to see a lot of changes in the coming years. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, I think be... we're coming into the era of smarter borrowing. Mm -hmm. I think people are getting a little bit smarter finally. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I just see this whole next five years, especially to be a big shift in what people spend and how they spend it and how lenders look at everything, right? I just think everybody, it's time for everyone to be a bit more responsible. I, th I think no matter what, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, all these changes that we keep talking about or, or tightening of lending, things like that, um, bringing in stress tests or higher stress tests, whatever it may be. There's always been, there has always been changes to the mortgage industry. There's always been, you know, we've been at higher interest rates than we are now significantly higher. Um, there's been, you know, there's been shifts from that 0% down 40 year amortization, you know, to where we are now of 25 year and 5%. Um, people continue price, people continue to buy. We have, you know, prices continue to go up. There's still that demand until, you know, it's going to continue to, people are going to continue to want homes as long as Canadians have that obsession with housing. And so that's really us as a mindset, have that obsession with housing, whereas other countries don't. And so people are just going to, you know, they can make all these changes can come into play, but there's always going to be ways for which people can borrow, leverage that property, 
if they want to acquire their property, they're going to find a way to do it. So, um, you know, some of these instances like this tightening up of, of HELOCs next year, um, changes to down payment for rentals, things like that, you know, people will just become more creative. And the unfortunate side is, of it as well is that people will then move to the alternative space. People are still, again, there's that obsession with housing. So instead of going to your traditional A lenders where you're getting it at, you know, best rates and, and all that, they're moving into the alternative or private space where it's mm-hmm. higher interest rates, um, interest only or what have you, where, you know, people are still wanting those houses. Um, there's still renters needing a rental property and there's not enough rentals being built by whether it be the feds or, you know, larger institutions. So kind of clamping down on mom and pop investors owning one rental property, or even, even if they own five rental properties, single unit rental properties, it's, uh, you know, clamping down on those isn't really a big impact to the, uh, to the marketplace, but people are going to continue to want to invest. So I'll be, yeah, uh, and we talked about a lot, that a lot, a couple of weeks ago on the private lending side, how we think it's going to yeah. explode in the next few years. Yeah. And we're seeing it. Um, you know, as soon as 2018 hit and, and, and they made a lot of changes to the stress tests, things like that, it pushed a lot of people over to the B space and, and people were like, okay, well, I can't qualify with a traditional A bank. I'll go where I'll go where they'll, they'll let me qualify with, with stretched income to debt ratios. Um, and then those people have moved over to the private space or the, or the mortgage investment corp space. So, um, it'll be, as you said, Greg, it'll be interesting over the next five years, how, um, how these changes come into play and, and how people adapt and, and how also how banks adapt. I mean, they make money by lending. They don't want to slow down their lending. They've got shareholders to, uh, yeah, they, to have to well. get creative they, too. They, they need to get, they need to generate profits. Um, the government also needs them to generate profits because they need their tax. They need those corporate taxes as well, uh, for the economy to run. So it's, you know, they'll, there'll always be that, uh, that kind of funny game of make a make a rule change to stop the lending or slow it down, but then they'll let you know things to tinker or rates to go up for consumers to pay higher interest rates. Which you know, if it costs the banks more money, it's going to cost us more money. Um, so either way, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see. Thanks. I thanks know, for the Dave show. The Dave show today. I know. <laughs> Holy shit. Very informative. Yeah, it's good. How did realtors um, survive before Greg? Before uh, before the obsession with real estate, I, I just think of like like I, I, like Dave, you're talking about the forty year AMS and and zero down payment. Like I think of those times. And I think I just started the bank when that was happening, but like I don't remember real estate being front of anyone's mind. It was like if you need a home, you might buy it. Now it's like you know it's, it's an obsession. Maybe it's just because we're in the industry, but yeah, it's an obsession. People are all like obsessed with it. The numbers. Uh, it's headlined, it's rates, it's cha- rule changes. Like, it seems like there's always something happening uh, in real estate now. And it's just, uh, it's funny to think back of like, what, like the the old days, you know, like what it, what it was like back then to buy a house, uh, mm. different world. And now speaking of, um, speaking of, you know, prices and, uh, and people buying, I know there was a question. Take from it away, Dave. Somebody, no, from somebody, this is for Greg. <laughs> this is for Greg that uh, somebody was asking about, and he's asked before, there's that. Uh, so he, I think this Alex must be, he might be looking at buying a unit in this building, perhaps. He's asked questions before oh, about the, Clare, the Hintonburg uh, Claridge unit or building. Uh, he mentioned that prices drop by 15,000. But in general, when you're seeing that, not specifically this building, but what you're seeing in the marketplace, what you're seeing in others, how, how do you kind of approach this with the builder uh, when you see a price drop like this? Or how do you advise a client um, when you're seeing well, prices? Well, whenever there's a price drop on a new build, it's because clearly no one's buying them. So that's, mm. 
you know, I've been through the cycle before where the builders don't need us. And then six months later, they're offering us three and a half percent to bring in a qualified buyer. You know, so are we going back to that style now because the costs are so inflated overall? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't work a lot in the new build space, but you know what? I should, uh, I should bring somebody on the show. Yeah, I remember you saying about a year ago that, space, that it would be a good idea. The, the builders are basically not allowing realtors. Like, no, we don't need you. No, no, well, they, realtors they, did, allowed, they didn't. Okay? Yeah. They didn't. And a lot of them still <clears> don't right now, but there are a few certain ones that, that do. And the, there'll be more of that, I think. Uh, because, you know, it, it, it becomes, you know, what do you do? Do you buy a new build at 810,000 with no upgrades or do you buy one that's a year old at 800,000 with everything done to it and you can move right into it? Mm-hmm. So like, like how far is that? Is the, is the new one at 810 going to be worth 900 in a year? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, five years ago, maybe just because of the whole, you know, um, the market change. But now it's kind of like, well, I think we're at the top, so I don't know where the builders can go. And I mean, Dave, you were talking about it, like the cost to build a loan is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, Ontario, the fees, the taxes, permits, all that stuff. Like these builders aren't, you know, they're not charging these prices because they necessarily want to. It's because they have to to survive mm-hmm. and keep supplying. And 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 we also, um, it's also, so, you know, so, some you know, people talk about. Sorry, we we froze there for a second there, Greg. Okay. <laughs> um, I was just going to say that that people talk about builders um, being greedy and, and out for profit. At the end of the day, we need developers as a society because if developers aren't there and they're not making a profit, they're not going to continue building. If there's no incentive for them to build, we'll have no homes and prices will go up even more because the federal government is not building homes. We need these, we need the Claridge's and the Mintos and, you know, and these developers. So when people mm-hmm. get on them about them just being greedy or looking for profit, well, yeah, it's a business. They're not a charity. They are looking for profit, but they need to be sustainable because, you know, they, they need to hold property in a lot of cases for eight and 10 years before they start being able to even think about developing it. Um, yeah. And they, you know, and they, and they hold it for that long. So that Claridge one um, that Alex is asking about, you know, they've hold that they've held that property for I think about six or seven years. Um, you know, they've now torn down what was there, so they have no rental income coming in. They've the other tenant, they've you know where they built their sales center. Uh, they that tenant they had to you know move out so they could build their sales center. Mm-hmm. So they have zero revenue coming in, and they can only start their sales now. They can only get financing for that build when they hit sixty percent of the units sold. So the banks will only advance their construction unless they're self-financing it, meaning they're financing the project from their own uh, savings. The banks typically will only start lending a construction mortgage for these developments at 60% sold. So they need to run, in this case, like you were saying, Greg, market softening um, or more options out there. They're not clearly moving enough units. They drop the price because they need to get that project going because they've already torn down the building where they're going to build. They're already... Like they have no revenue coming in. They've been holding it for so long. They probably planned to break ground a year and a half ago when the market was busier, um, not foreseeing where we'd be now. And now they have to, they have to get, get things moving. Yeah. And you know, you know, what's funny about these, these builds and how they offer commissions and uh, or no commissions. <clears throat> I think it would be wise for builders just to kind of maintain a steady pace. There are a few that, that do it, but in the, in the times when they're, when they don't really need us, you know, they'll cooperate and then maybe they'll pay us like $500. 
Like I had one last week close. It was, it was a new home. I got, I got a thousand Starbucks bucks, gift card, you know, and I'd been working with this guy for, for months, showing him homes. Anyways, he decided to, to get new and it was fine. I got a thousand bucks. So there's, there's another case of me working, you know, consistently with someone for a while. But of course I was like, no, if that's the house you want and I'll, and I get a thousand dollars, that's fine. And then it's like, you know, you think about the builders who are, you know, the money that they're making when they're only offering a thousand or they're offering nothing. And then all of a sudden they can, they can pay us three and a half percent to bring a buyer. Mm. Like that's crazy. And they're still, they're still profiting, but I mean, they mm. take advantage of those situations where they, they don't have to work with us to put some money. Like I think to put some money in the bank. Right. Yeah. So they have some, they have some like funds to, to help keep everything moving. And, and again, it's like, it's a business, like you said, but I think it would be wise for some of these builders to choose, like, you know, we're going to offer one and a half percent to realtors all the time, no matter what the market is. And mm-hmm. then it just, it turns into just this relationship building with certain people, but, you know, offering nothing and then offering three and a half, it's like, well, you know, where were, where were you when, when I had a buyer for your place and then I ended up with nothing and now you're ready to give me three and a half percent later. You need me now. So it's, it's weird. It needs to be reciprocal. Taste. I think what's yeah. It, it needs to be reciprocal. Right. So, yeah. You know, and it's not, and it's not all builders. Like I said, there's some that are, are very good and most will cooperate. It's just a matter of what they cooperate with because, and, and this is a thing that people forget. And I know we're going to get into some of this on the next episode. Like if you're, if you're a realtor and you're working on commission and you're working with somebody for six months, say you show them like 30 homes and then all of a sudden they go and buy a new home and you get a thousand bucks. Yeah. I don't, I don't think most people would want to work in our profession when it comes down to stuff like that. And it happens all the time. So Greg, are you still more seeing a lot of, sorry, next more, more about that next episode. <laughs> are you still yeah. seeing a lot of uh, like um, lottery kind of drafts for new builds or is it just now walking the sales center and throw your in, name on in the list? Some, I, I haven't seen a lot of it. I also haven't been paying that much attention to the new build market because I just mm-hmm. haven't needed to. Um, but I know there are some, like, I mean, I just got some emails with some new releases coming out and it was just kind of like, you know, I called up and they're like, no, it's, you know, it's, it's open for whatever, um, we're cooperating, we're offering 2%, uh, whatever you want to do. It was, it, it wasn't like, you know, oh my God, no, like there's going to be 400 people competing and, uh, hmm. and whatnot. I'm sure it is still in, in some places, but I mean, you know, point to the Claridge building, they just, what was the drop? 15,000 on, on units? I think 15, I think, yeah. I mean, to I like do a drop like that, clearly you're not making all the sales. You know, people are being smarter with their money. Do we, uh, do we want to touch on, I know there's a question on YouTube as well. Maybe we touch on that quickly before we, uh, before we go. I think, and the market. Oh, what up, B-Showroom? Is that the one? Uh, yeah, sorry, you cut out there, Matrix. Maybe you can... Oh. Uh, Neo, I was just saying. Neo I was just saying. I was just saying. What up, Bicharon? Oh yeah. Always, uh, <laughs> always commenting, and uh, you know, he says, uh, you know, about me. Uh, there's 11 detached homes off Merbleau and Orleans have sold in two weeks. That none of the 11 detached homes. And he's asking about the price point. So the price point's a million. It's a million bucks. It's a million dollars. Um, and yes, you're right. Uh, most of those will not be first-time home buyers. There'll be people on their second purchase, maybe even their third. Or some now since that three that have sold now and all of a sudden i have three showings on mine i'm showing it myself whereas i had no showings for that last week 
So remember what I said, how like once one goes, it kind of just falls in, in place. And I think that's happening. So I think all of these are going to be gone in the next couple of weeks, whether they do any price reductions or sell for less, that's to be seen. The ones that have sold, sold for list price, uh, one sold for a bit, a bit higher. So I think it was just a matter of, uh, you know, what's been going on with the changes, people just looking at their, at their, at their bank account and, and the interest rates and seeing where they sit and just watching the market pa and pausing for for a bit. Uh, but now it, now it looks like things are ramping up. Um, so we'll see. And I'm just trying to read the rest of this. Uh, it would be nice to know a breakdown of what is property type days on market before a type of sale is completed. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll get some more stats for you next week too. I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more diligent with that. And, um, there was a, yeah, a detached it. home on my street that was listed, uh, about three weeks ago, maybe, uh, they did a hundred K price reduction. And then it just sold for uh, 60K under the 100K price reduction. So there's a lot of, uh, yeah, it happens. Well, and so, and I'll tell you guys something. So this happened to me the other day. This happened on Tuesday. So there was this property that came up in Stittsville. They were holding offers. And it was one of those properties, like I said, if it's incredible, it will, it will still sell over list and it will get multiple offers immediately. So this house was fantastic. I uh, yeah, submitted an offer for my clients on it. It had a pool, had everything. It, it was just really, really nice. Still, but it still needed a few things, needed some new appliances, whatever. Anyway, so it got, it, it was at a 925. They paid 790,000 for it in June, 2020. Okay, June, 2020. Now we're May, 2022. They paid 790. Listed at 925. I figured million 50. I figured it, it may go for a million 50, which is what we submitted at sold for 1.25. So these guys just made almost a $500,000 profit just from buying that house at the right time. Crazy. It's like retirement fund. Yeah. So, you know, I'm telling you the story about these 11 homes in the neighborhood that are this almost similar to this, but not all the bells and whistles, not selling for two weeks. And then this guy comes on the market six days, 500 G's profit. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> Make it make sense. I guess. So many questions. Yeah. I'm so going to roll into questions. the mood boost because the theme of the day for boost the mood me. boost today is questions. I got questions to ask. Do it. Do it. All right. Question number one. What did one strand, what did one DNA strand ask the other DNA strand? Do these genes look okay? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I like it. Uh, what did one flag say to the other flag? Nothing. It just waved. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, what did one plate say to the other? Lunch is on me. I got two more. What did one math book say to the other? I've got so many problems. <laughs> and last but not least of the question period... What did the duck say when she purchased new lipstick? Put it on my bill. Ah, <laughs> good closer. Those yeah. are pretty good. Those are pretty good. Question period. Uh, quick shout out. North Brew. <laughs> Missed them at the beginning. Uh, North Brew Coffee. If you go to northbrew.ca, use the promo code podcast. They're going to toss you 20% off your coffee order and 20% of your order is going to go to the Ottawa homeless community. Great coffee, great cause. 
long weekend. Hope everyone had a great one since it already happened. And uh, <laughs> does anyone even know what we're doing right now? I don't even <laughs> no, think they know what we're doing. Nobody's listening. Nobody's, Nobody's listening, listening at this it. point. So we're, we're free. We're, we're already checked out. Uh, we'll be free. back next week. We're though. free. Yeah. We're free. We're free. Uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. Make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, give us a review, even give us a call. If you have only questions. good reviews. Please, only good reviews. Please give us reviews. a review. Would someone please go give us a review? Just one. We've got all these subs now. No one's giving us reviews. I want some reviews, man. Hold on. I'm going to look right now, see if we have even one review. I guess it's zero. Um, <laughs> like, does no one... Do, do you five. like us? We have five. There's five, five, five reviews. Oh, oh really? Five reviews. On, on yeah. Apple? On Apple Podcasts? This is on... Um, this is on... Yes, Apple Podcasts. And are we are, are we five star? Five star on all. Five star Sweet. on all. Five for five. Five or five or nothing. I'm gonna promote that shit on my socials. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gentlemen, enjoy enjoy the day, enjoy the uh, week, and and, uh, (laughs) we'll see you soon. All right, deuces, deuces. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.